0: Namaste, Namaskaram, vanikam Namonamaha, Jai Please visit our website at classicalyoga.org. And there's a donate button if you'd like to help us out. Wake up, it's a Hindu morning. Of course, as Hindus, we look at the world through a Hindu lens. But there's a difference here. We don't expect the whole world to do the same thing. We respect how other people perceive the world as well, through their ideas through their agendas, through their religious traditions. But we as Hindus look at the world from basically a Hindu perspective. It's wonderful to go to a beach, for example, at quote-unquote sunrise or sunset, because it doesn't do any such thing, does it? Right away we have the Hindu concept of both reincarnation day after day after day and illusion or Maya. Things are not always as they appear. However, it looks like the sun is rising. And what does it look like when it's on the horizon? The bindi, a beautiful red dot. So from our Hindu perspective, every morning is a Hindu morning. There's the kumkum, the tilak, the potu, the third eye point. And listen to our podcast on appreciating Mata and the wisdom of the sunrise. Powerful lesson here for finding our individual path while respecting other paths, like the single ray from the sun. And the Bindi is that mark of a Hindu, reminding us as we close our eyes that we see that sun within us. That's the Surya Narayan, the soul of the sun within the human. We look at the sun briefly and close our eyes and you see through an optical delusion, you see that Sun, right there, you see that bright red, orange, white light. But there comes a time when even in a darkened room, we close the eyes and see that inner light. It might be white light, it might be different colors. Because remember, white contains all the colors. It's an integral part of a devout Hindu's life to rise early in the morning, contemplate, do their pranayama exercises do their Raja Yoga. And of course, you're always doing Hatha Yoga, one steady, comfortable pose. And especially the Hindu monks, the yogis, the swamis, rise at Brahmaputra, 4.30 in the morning, do their early morning sadhana. It's wonderful to do this at a beach, a special place. And you could read in the Rig Veda where the rishis gathered together and worshipped Mata Ritta, Ritvijam, the first word for Hindu dharma. They worship nature, worship the sun, Surya. For example, in one forty-six fourteen. Yudvor Usha Anu Shriyam, Parij Mano Rupa Charat Ritta, Vanato, Aktu biha After meditating on the brightness of the dawn, Ushatkala. We play with the forms of our mind. Hmm. This is old world culture. Prior to, obviously, our fascination with AI, people had time to sit, sit in nature, and have philosophical discussions, contemplate the universe, playing with the forms of their mind. There's a famous mariner's saying, red sky in the morning, sailors take warning. Red sky at night, sailors delight. Doesn't always work out that way, but often does. Red sky in the morning often means a stormy day. Red sky at night means that the next day may be placid, good for sailing. So how about this? As devout Hindus, we need to do our own sadhanas. Put on your bindi every morning. Red dot in the morning, spiritual longing. Red dot at night, have a great insight. No red dot in the morning, spiritual warning. No red dot at night, lose your insight. We need to practice our dharma. Dosadrista sadrista mahor Muhuha. Practice again and again and again. Get up in the morning, bathe and worship. This is proper conduct, yoga swami. We get up, we bathe, we do our prayers. Do our mantras, light our diyas. This is the way to start the day. In a wholesome way. And all Hindus have their ishta devatas and that they focus upon, and while respecting all the other devatas. And remember our podcast on the gem principle where we understand the wisdom of the progressive nature of the devatas, respecting our sampradaya. For example, if we're a saiva, we go from Ganesha to Muruga to Shiva Parvati. Vaishnavas, Ganesha, Krishna, Vishnu Lakshmi, or Ganesha, Hanuman Sitaram. Shaktites, Ganesha, Durga, Lakshmi, Saraswati, Kali, Durga, Parvati, so there was a classic song, I think sung back in the slave days in America, up in the morning, out on the job. I work like the devil for my pay, but that lucky old son, he ain't got nothing to do but roll around heaven all day. I fuss with my woman, I all with my kids, sweat till I'm all wrinkled and gray but that lucky old son he ain't got nothing to do but roll around heaven all day so why not hindus cuz we're seeing our life through a hindu lens up in the morning ganapati bamasa ganapati upanishad parvati Murugan om namah shivaya shivaya nama o day by day follow the dharma dev dev dharma Va or Anupati Ushatkala, up in the morning. Ganapati Bhama Krishna, Vishnu, Lakshmi, Om, Namo, Narayana. Namo, Narayana. day by day, follow the Dharma. Or, up in the morning. Ganapati Bhama Saha. Hanuman Sitaram, Ram. O Ram Ram Sita Ram. Ram Ram Sita Ram Dvedved dve, Dharma baharyo. Va Up in the morning Ganapati Bama Saha Durga Lakshmi Sarasvati O oh, Kali Durga Parvati Dvedved dve, Dharma Baha And all Hindus do Karma Bhakti Raja Gyanahatta Mantra Japa Naranata, because it's Yoga Dharma, and it's Hindu Dharma, step by step. Pade Dharma Bharyo, Pade Dharma We all have to find the paths that work for us in life. So we've chosen the Hindu, yoga, religious, spiritual, scientific, philosophical path, the sun, marga, Hindu dharma. Enjoy. Get up in the morning, bathe and worship. This is proper conduct. Om Jai Hindu Dharma. P.S. Prajna Samadhi. Though we are looking at life through the Hindu lens, We always want to remember that we don't want to become myopic, meaning we think this is the only way or the only religion. And for the most part, Hindus don't believe that. Remember our Nat principle. A mature attitude is to look at one's religion as a way. That's the middle ground, not the way, which is the pure fundamentalist who sees their religion as the only true one and every other one is false or outright evil, or the other extreme of the universalist, which actually there's a fundamentalism to that. For example, one may be doing something very specific like yoga, or even some Hindus saying their Hindu religion is universal. So they're doing something that is actually very specific and claiming that to be universal and saying that this absorbs every other religion also or can be seen in every other religion. These are two extremes. The pure fundamentalist on the one hand, who follows only one way and every other way is false, or the fundamentalist universalist, who's actually doing something very specific and claims that to be universal. It is because of this extremist universalist mindset that we have the spurious yoga movement of today. So, for example, anytime someone tells you, for example, yoga is for everybody, that's no different than the fundamentalist who says Jesus is for everybody. So with this Nat Principle, we eventually arrive at a middle balance, neither falling flat on either extreme. Not the fundamentalist or the fundamentalist universalist, but the middle ground of way. In other words, one's religion, One's lenses are a way. It's not the way. It's not the way for everybody. And it's certainly not a universalist way or no way. Just as we all, those of us that wear glasses, have our unique prescriptions. And they fit us. We look at the world through those lenses. So something very interesting, the very day that this podcast came through, that very same day, and talk about timing. A letter came from a gospel-track society, which we'll get into in just a moment. But let's consider for a moment the wisdom of timing. And this podcast and the letter came right during our Ganesha Chaturthi Festival. And Hindus have to remember the wisdom of timing. In fact, in the famous Sri Ganesha Pancharatnam, written by the great Vedantas Guru Adi Shankara, of Ganesha's Kaladharam Kaladharavat, Trakam vilasi lokarakshakam, kalada sakam vilasi lokarakshakam. In other words, he's saying that Ganesha is the master of time, and timing. This is what protects us in all the worlds. Kalada ratham sakam vilasi lokarakshakam. So when we respect time. That's merely being a responsible person. Many times Hindus are at fault for this. Timing means that we respect the time of the devas. So we try to always do our pujas exactly at 6, 12, 6, whatever the designated time. This shows respect not only for the devas that we're calling upon, but also the people in attendance. They expect something to start on time, and we expect them to be there on time. Certainly, in the workaday world, this is very important. These are lessons we should have learned in school. For late to school, we get detention. So timing is very important. So, on the day that we did this podcast on waking up as a Hindu, Hindu morning, that very same day, a letter came from the Gospel Track Society. Never heard from them before, and it was written by a fellow named Philip. Butram and here's an example of obviously looking at life through a Christian lens but only a Christian lens in a sense it's very there's a very strange paragraph in here so I'll read some of it to you so Philip says dear spiritual leader we all serve and follow God in one fashion or another oh really we all serve and follow God. Maybe he means just all those that are spiritual leaders. But do we all follow God? Do Hindus worship God? We've talked about this before in other podcasts. This is why, as we'll see and should know, Hindus should not be using the Christian term God. This is a total disrespect for the other religious traditions of the world. Remember, that Anglo-Saxon word God is only about 1,500 years old. So again, there's a great conversation starter. You can say prior to 1,500 years ago, God didn't exist, quote-unquote. The word did not exist. So what do you say then? Hmm. In the Bible itself, especially in the Torah, the Old Testament, there's no God. There's no Lord. There's no Jesus, actually. There was a Jewish rabbi named Yeshua who actually never knew the word God, so he didn't know God. So right off the bat, we all serve and follow God in in one fashion or another. Hmm. So here's the myopic vision of the Christian that everybody worships God. And again, many universalists fall into the same trap. So this is a very interesting paragraph that I've actually never heard from coming from the Christian camp. This sounds more like the Hindu universalist. Quote, in all of the world, the only one and true God goes by many different names. Hmm. Boy, that sounds like the Hindu universalist right there, when they misuse the Christian term and say God is one and has many names and forms. They're misconstruing the sloka ekam sat vipra bhuravarante, which means a unified existence or unified abiding, ekam sat, which is not God. Remember, God is a male creator being as opposed to goddess. So if the Rishis had have meant a one anthropomorphic deity, they would have said one or Ekam Ishvara, or they would have put a specific name there, like Ek Brahma, or Ek Shiva, or Ek Vishnu. But they didn't. They said Ekam sat. there's a unified existence or abiding, and we know what that is. It's Sat Chidananda, it's pure existence consciousness, Sat and pure energy, Chid and light energy, and then heat, which translates into the human feeling of Ananda, or bliss or love. So that's what was meant by Ekam sat, And, Many Hindus will replace that when speaking in English, and they'll say, oh, one God, many names and forms. So, interesting. Here's a Christian from the Gospel Tract Society basically saying the same thing. In all of the world, the only one and true God goes by many different names. He goes on to say, different faiths, religions, and teachings have given us many different forms of worship for God. Hmm. So, very interesting. I never heard a Christian say that before. So, if there is only one and true God that goes by many different names, then they would have no problem saying Brahma or Shiva or Vishnu or Kali or Durga. Hmm. It was very interesting that he put that in there. Maybe that was to kind of uh, appeal to maybe a Swami's mind, a Hindu's mind. Because obviously that's not what they mean. They do, do not respect the different names because on the flip side, which... He instructed me to read after I read all of the pamphlets, detailed pamphlets, all about Christian scriptures and quotes. It took a lot of effort to write all of them and send them out. So after I'm supposed to finish reading these um, weekly messages, on the flip side, I'm supposed to read the following summation. So here's where he actually contradicts himself when he says, in all of the world, the." Only one and true God goes by many different names. Because here's how it ends up. I have known ministers, teachers of the faith, leaders of religion, that knew the words that they preached and taught from, but did not actually know the author of those words. Where do you stand in your relationship with the creator of the universe? Have you ever known him and were able to call him your covenant friend? So this is interesting because when anyone in any of the religions of the world, but certainly Christians and the very popular misused word God, when they say that God is the creator of all things, simply ask them prove it. Prove that there is a one male or female creator being. No one to date has ever been able to prove that such a being exists. And obviously when it comes to Jesus there obviously was a Jewish rabbi named Yeshua that was killed 2,000 years ago, and that's basically it. So the whole concept of God is mere speculation. And the fact that Jesus is living today is, again, another completely unprovable fact. Though each individual may have their inherent visions and spiritual being, that's to be respected, but when we try to push that on the whole world, see, this is the difference we as hindus are looking at the world through our hindu lens but we fully appreciate that other people have their own prescriptions their own glasses their own lenses that they see the world through that's a true unity in diversity so the letter goes on at the end as the end of time draws near so they believe in an end times so when the world's going to be destroyed people are caught up in the trials and pressures of these turbulent days <laughs> they've all been turbulent huh? They've been predicting the second coming ever since uh, Jesus was killed 2,000 years ago. He says, but there is hope, not hope in the government or man, only hope in the Lord and his son, Jesus. There is but one Lord, that being God, the father, one Lord, that being God, the son, Jesus Christ, and one spirit, and that being God, the Holy Spirit. So this totally contradicts what he said on the the facing page. In all of the world, the only one and true God goes by many different names. No, he doesn't. It's only the God, the Abrahamic God, and his one son, Jesus. Hmm? So very interesting. He completely contradicts himself there. So again, a clear example of how we can become a fundamentalist or a fundamentalist universalist. These are the extremes that, if we're honest, we've perhaps been in, certainly in one life or another, until we finally achieve a balance in the middle. This is the Sada, Lola, Hara of life, the truth, Sada, of the swing, Lola, of life, as we go from one extreme to the other, like a seesaw, a teeter-totter, until we finally find balance in the middle, where we neither fall flat on the fundamentalist side or the New Age fundamentalist, universalist side, and obviously, many Hindus suffer from this universalism, thinking that Hinduism, which they would prefer to call Sanatana Dharma, is the one eternal tradition, and everything is merely a reflection of it. This you often find in the Vaishnava tradition, where they actually believe that Vishnu or Krishna, Vishnu-Krishna, is the deity, and everything else is a manifestation of them. That's the fundamentalist, universalist mindset. And though we have many Hindus that suffer from that, we eventually want to find the middle ground of Respecting that our religion is a way, it's not the way, and it's not no way or all ways. Until we get to that point, we can look rather silly. There was an interesting episode on MASH where Colonel Potter was looking through his binoculars and somebody had played a trick on him. They'd painted some black smudgy something around the eyes of the binoculars and he put them to his eyes, he was looking around, and when he took the binoculars down, he didn't realize that he had these big black circles around his eyes, and Radar sitting next to him started laughing, and Colonel Potter couldn't figure out why he was laughing. So when we are myopic, hmm, so I have to give a little chuckle at reading this Gospel Track Society's reach-out-to-a-Hindu, trying to obviously convert us, me, to the Christian viewpoint, hmm? that we ended up looking rather silly and we had no clue why. Right? So again, we want to respect the various religious traditions of the world. Hold fast to yours and try to get out of the extremes of being a fundamentalist or a fundamentalist universalist. Have a wonderful Hindu day. Om Shanti, Shanti, Shanti. PSSS. Recently, the Kona organization has done a great job in producing a video on the secret of the swastika. So many things that were there before, but we just didn't realize it. Actually, Hitler never used the term swastika. He was obviously pushing a Christian agenda, and he used the term Hakenkreuz. Which meant hooked cross, which is a very popular symbol in early Christianity. It's real. I really encourage you all to watch that video. This um, Hakenkreuz, which was mislabeled the swastika later on, actually is seen in the Vatican, and it's um, permeates through early Christianity. Of course, the that figure of the hooked cross is in many cultures with many different meanings. It's just a, a symbol that has been picked up by many people with different meanings. But Hitler's meaning was that this was the cross of, of Christ. And why was it a hooked cross? Because it comes from the Greek letter gamma, which is a right angle. And when you put the four right angles together, it creates this hooked cross, or Hakenkreuz. And again, he never used the word swastika. And why the right angle? Because in First Peter 2, 1-10, to 10, it talks about Jesus as being the cornerstone, like a right angle, of the faith itself. So speaking about looking through a Christian lens, and really, in this case, a very fundamentalist lens that does not accept other lenses, this was Hitler's lens as he saw only his superior race and his attempt was to conquer the whole world. So from explorethebiblelifeway.com, it says, Jesus defines our reality. He is more than a Sunday Savior or an occasional companion. He is the lens through which we filter everything else. He is the cornerstone of our worldview and the cross of Jesus is the reference point to make sure our interpretation of the events surrounding us are in line with what is good and right. And quote. And it's interesting, the Masons use this, um, the level and and the square. So, wow, what an eye-opener for many of us to realize that Hitler never ever used the word swastika. He used the word Hockenkreuz, which was the hook cross, which is direct reference to Christianity, and not at all to Hinduism at all. So it wasn't until the 1930s that actually a priest, James Murphy, wrote Mein Kampf in English, translated it into English, and is here where he inserted the word swastika. So, certainly seems like an attempt to distance Christianity from the Holocaust and perhaps put the blame on Hindus because he took the Sanskrit word swastika, which we all know means good fortune, good luck, has absolutely nothing to do with the Holocaust, nothing to do with Hitler at all. This word was just later used perhaps because they didn't want the Hooked Cross, the Hakenkreuz, to be associated with Christianity and the evils of the Holocaust. So, obviously, We all have our lenses in life that we look through, but if we look through our lens and then deny everybody else's lens, we are really blind. And that blindness can lead to devastating results. So again, we as Hindus have to ask ourselves, why in this case did it take about 80 years to bring to light something that should have been known? If you look in a In an old Webster's Dictionary, you can see the word Gamma and Gammadian, which is actually the hooked cross. So it's been there for all this time, but it's just now coming to light. So when we look through our lenses, we want to make sure that we clean them and be able to see clearly so that we stop these distortions before they get so out of hand that they're almost unstoppable. This is actually what the swastika has become. So too, as today's yoga is almost unstoppable as as it has become completely disassociated with its sacred hindu teachings and practices so we need to look through life through our hindu lenses while respecting the lenses of others but please we have to take our glasses off and clean them periodically so that we don't allow all of these distortions to continue remember Try to handle problems when they're small problems, or else we're in trouble. They become really big problems, sometimes almost insurmountable. It's going to take a lot of effort for people to get out of the pain of the word swastika. It's going to take a lot of effort to return our sacred yogas to their rightful place in the Hindu yoga dharma. Jai Ganesh, Jai Hindu Yoga Dharma.